This is a, a highly precise ability to use very specific frequencies to cause a measurable effect in your autonomic nervous system and eventually in your brain waves. So let's, let's pick apart sound a little bit. When I take a wine glass, I just happen to <clears throat> have a wine glass here. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to sing a certain note to make the wine glass vibrate. Right? We all know this phenomenon. It's a sympathetic resonance thing. Mm -hmm. The underpinnings of why this work is a whole science called the science of coupled oscillators. The fact that everything in the universe wants to dance together, to resonate together. Why? To save energy. The universe is trying to obey rule number two, get the most work, the least amount of energy expended. Mm -hmm. So how do I know what note to sing? Ping the glass. So can you hear that? So, ah, that note. And if I could sing that note loud enough, we'd see this wine glass start to vibrate and vibrate. And if I could sing it louder and louder and louder, it would vibrate to a point where it shatters. It can't contain its own energy anymore. But just before that point, the glass is holding the highest possible state of energy it can contain without exploding. Yes. And we can do tests on your body to find out what is the frequency for the cells of your disc or the cells of your liver or the cells of your fifth lumbar vertebra or the cells of the organelle inside the hypothalamus that controls the vagus nerve that drives the autonomic nervous system of sympathetic parasympathetic balance that controls every system in your body, right? So that's what cells do when they go into a healing response. They go into a higher energy state higher metabolic state, higher intake of food, expelling of waste, and rebuilding of tissue. So I'm saying that with sound waves, we can cause that cellular response and boost your cells into the highest possible energy state that they could ever go to, they couldn't go to on their own, to create a super healing state. Hello, this is Dr. Edith Ubuntu-Chan. Welcome to The Dr. E Show, a show exploring the frontiers of our human possibilities in areas like health and wellness, science and spirituality, quantum biology, and conscious living, so that together we can awaken the best of ourselves and create our most joyful and fulfilling lives. When it comes to our health and physiology, most of us in this community know to look beyond diet and exercise into beautiful things like sleep, sunshine, time in nature, hydration, meditation, breathing, and these kinds of things. And when our bodies get out of balance, besides looking at options like drugs or surgery, many of us look to modalities like acupuncture, chiropractic, nutritional supplementation, and so much more. But how often do we consider the scientific application of sound as a healing modality. And how do sound frequencies influence our health, our biology, our physiology, and our consciousness? Could it be that sound is one of the most powerful tools on the planet to help us tap into a highest level of human possibilities? Well, boy, are we in for a huge treat today, because to give us a quick start lesson in the scientific use of sound healing is the world-renowned Dr. Jeffrey Thompson. 
Dr. Thompson is considered the world's premier sound healing researcher, brainwave and treatment expert, high-tech personal transformational innovator, motivator, and futurist. He's a physician, a musician, a composer, an inventor, an educator, an author. His work addresses harmony between the body, mind, and spirit, and is clinically proven to foster deep personal wellness and the expansion of our consciousness. Certified in multiple healthcare modalities, Dr. Thompson draws people from all around the world to his clinical practice and to his cutting edge auditory, kinesthetic, and visual therapeutic products and services. Dr. Thompson has been pioneering the sound research since the 1980s, and he has collaborated with the greatest legends of our time, like Deepak Chopra, Louise Hay, Bernie Siegel, Barbara Marx Hubbard, and many, many others. He's done research with NASA, JPL, UCLA, Duke, UVA, and many other prestigious universities and has appeared in numerous media outlets like CNN, Fox, Good Morning America. The list goes on and on like this. We are so thrilled and so honored to have him on the show today. So please help me in welcoming the founder and director of the Center for Neuroacoustic Research in Carlsbad, California the doctor, the researcher, and the acoustic sound wizard, Dr. Jeffrey Thompson. Dr. Thank Thompson, you. it's a huge Thank honor you. to share this hour with you. Thank you so much for making time for us. Well, now, we don't, now we're out of time, right? <laughs> well, that was like the short <laughs> version of your bio. Please tell us how you got into this field to begin with, because you're a brilliant guy. You could choose to be great at many things, I'm sure. Well, you know, as as life unrolls people's stories, you never know exactly what's going to happen to you. And it usually isn't whatever you thought it was going to be. I, I started out as a musician and an artist. Um, I have a bachelor of fine arts degree. I went to art school in the sixties. And then I went out and I had some businesses and I went back to school when I was 29. I went to chiropractic school when I was 29 mostly as part of my spiritual search. I wanted to know, I wanted to know the modern level of medical expertise in anatomy and physiology. I wanted to know what is here. For each of us, there's an organic biological intelligence that knows how to grow your body out of two cells, differentiate the tissues into everything that you are, and make it all run on automatic without you thinking about it. It's happening right now. And that didn't arrive from Venus. That came from inside of each one of us. It's, it's this ancient connected wisdom that's, that's my true biological identity. And it's right now happening. And who this is up here that's talking to you right now doesn't have a clue. <laughs> I don't have a clue what's under the hood. I had to go to school. I had to pay a lot of money and spend a lot of years and memorize a lot of stuff to find out what I grew. <laughs> Yeah. So that part of me is magical. I mean, you cut your you cut your hand and some of the thing just starts to happen. The blood kind of stops by itself and a scab forms and then the scab drops off and you go about your way. It's like we all kind of start to forget that, but the magic of that is yeah. mind-boggling. And when we study that in school, no one has a clue how that happens, what's going on. We know that 
that there are um, localized processes that are automatic, but all processes in the body are under the control of a master program. And we've finally, through anatomy and physiology, have located where that is. That's in the center of your brain in a place called the hypothalamus, a little tiny region, very small little region with little teeny tiny organelles inside, each with fancy schmancy names you've got to memorize. Mm -hmm. um, and that is the origin of the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. The two big giant zones that have nerve branches that come out into all my organs and glands, monitor everything, send information back to the brain. That's called the vagus nerve, you know, the parasympathetic nerve. And that's the central processing system that tells everything what to do. The internal physician program. Uh -huh. It's monitoring everything. Sort of the, the big holistic idea would be, well, first of all, the holistic idea that's different than allopathic medicine, modern medicine, quote, modern medicine, um, is holistic practitioners believe in what I just said, that there is an inherent wisdom in the body that knows what to do. There's an internal physician program that's in charge. And the magic that heals the cut is going on on a thousand levels every hour of every day where the body is working on some grandiose maintenance list of a thousand things that have to be adjusted and balanced and all the time. So that means that if I'm sick, if I've got symptoms, which are the alarms going off to get my attention to say, Hey, there's something going on here. Please do something. Um, the uh, modern medical view is to create some kind of a chemical substance uh, in a pill that will suppress that symptom, make that symptom go away. Right. From a holistic standpoint, that is missing the point. The, the symptom is just the alarm going off telling you've got a fire in your house. You don't want to take the batteries out of the sm smoke alarm because it's annoying you. Right. Uh, so from a uh, holistic standpoint, we believe that there's an inherent healing power. And if I've got sickness, then something is blocking that power from manifesting itself and magically healing the cut kind of an idea. Uh -huh. So a holistic practitioner of all different kinds, I'm doing sound. I, I'm using sound and light and electromagnetic fields and a bunch of other things. I've centered on sound, uh -huh. but I'm not, I don't have the only answer in town. There's all kinds of holistic practitioners all over the world who are using various techniques to awaken those healing powers inside. Yes. Um, so the uniqueness of my system, you know, the one thing if, if people ask me, um, what do you do? And that's a loaded question. So <laughs> let's, let's take a trip to a mountain cabin someplace and spend a week and I'll tell you. <laughs> um, but if I, if I answer, I'm a sound therapist, mm -mm. then, then uh, the wrong picture comes to mind. A picture of perhaps Tibetan bowls or meditation gongs or sound baths or toning or chakra work or whatever. I mean, nothing wrong with any of those. It's, no, I'm using scientific instrumentation to monitor the autonomic nervous system, the sympathetic, parasympathetic, mm -hmm. live on a computer screen. Mm -hmm. 
and I can do some simple tests to find out if it's functioning normally. In other words, if master control is not functioning normally, then everybody's got a problem. Every well, system it controls has got a problem. So, so for the audience members out there yeah. who haven't watched that amazing documentary, Heal, please run and watch it. That's where I first learned about your amazing work. And I have to say, just to be totally honest, when you first showed up on the screen and that lower third bar, your title said Acoustic Sound Wizard. I said, uh, rolled <laughs> my eyes. I said, who calls themselves a wizard? And then yeah. I saw that it was just a small clip. It was a tiny sliver of what you do. But I saw the monitors and how precisely you were attuning the sounds based on very scientific measurements. And I thought, this guy is a wizard. <laughs> that, that wasn't my title. That was their title for me. But <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> but anyway, and, you know, there, we have these devices. We've got the device that I'm talking about is a heart rate variability device that I helped develop. It's a, a special version, real-time kind of system. But there's uh, sophisticated brain mapping computers and EEG devices that can show what's happening with uh, brain waves. And brain waves are associated with states of consciousness. And then when we combine that with other techniques called uh, brain, brain wave entrainment, mm -hmm. where we can commandeer certain ways your body governs itself uh, with its bio clocks. So brain entrainment is basically the ability to entrain your brain waves to any place we want them to go using sound waves or light flashes at a certain speed. Yes. Um, my innovation is a, a certain form of using uh, combined sound waves to make that happen. Um, but if, if we've seen research from all kinds of different institutes all over the world with EEG equipment measuring what does enlightenment look like? What does samadhi look like? What, is, uh, what does it look like when, I'm, when the answer to a problem drops into my mind? What, what does it look like when I have a personal spiritual epiphany that changes my life? Mm -hmm. We know what that looks like in the brain. We know precisely what that looks like. And once we know what that looks like, and we can combine that over here with brainwave entrainment using sound waves, we can use sound waves to entrain your brain waves to precisely those pictures we saw associated with extremely high states of meditation. And so now we've got the ability uh, of high-tech Star Trek meditation. We're, <laughs> we have abilities. I mean, it astounds me every day. I live in a world of science fiction. I, I can't even believe what I'm doing with my life. It, the, the precision and ability to see what's going on in the brain and the nervous system on the one hand with precision ability using high-tech equipment to transform states of consciousness to whatever we want puts us at a, a juncture point in the evolution of our species to take charge of our evolution in a, a, a way that we've never ever been able to do before. Um, Wow. For instance, um, some of the research. So when I went to school, we learned that there were four different brain states, beta, alpha, theta, delta. Most people are know something about that. Beta is I'm here talking to you, focused on attacks, um, kind of a left brain linear thinking thing. 
<clears throat> but if my brain waves slow down, and, and that's beta, and beta is associated with around 13 hertz to 38 hertz brain activity, uh-huh. rapid brain depolarizations. Uh-huh. If my brain waves slow down and I go into alpha, I cross over the 13 hertz bridge and my brain waves are slower in larger amplitude, then um, I'm no longer out here with you focused on a task and talking. I'm in an inner mental realm that's not linear, that's holographic, that's peripheral vision instead of, so I can look straight at you, but I can focus my attention over here somewhere, my peripheral vision. And my beta collapses, alpha expands as if I just close my eyes. That is a classic Zen state, Zen meditation state. That's what Zazen is like. That's what shows up on EEG. When I sit and I stare at a spot on the wall and I don't close my eyes and I don't blink, or if I close my eyes and I go into a meditation state and I know that I'm in the room breathing and there's sensations going on, but they don't have any more importance than anything else, um, that's, that's a Zen state. And if I go deeper, into theta below um, around seven hertz, seven and a half hertz, then I'm in a dream. That's where I go when I'm dreaming in sleep. But the same brain activity is what's happening when I'm daydreaming. The same brain activity is happening when I'm in a theta meditation mode, which is the kind of mode that you would be in with a shamanic journey or uh, chakra meditation where I'm uh, in full lotus position floating a foot above the ground and alabaster temple in the top of a mountain at sunset. You know, I, I'm not aware I'm in the room. I'm someplace else. That's, that's a theta meditation zone. And then a delta meditation zone where I'm deepest down where there's no visualizations and there's no kind of awareness that's ordinary of myself in the room either. I'm in a timeless kind of bliss state. Uh, You can see that various cultures on earth have uh, developed various stages of meditation that draw up different brain frequencies. I mean, the Dalai Lama did this study uh, quite a number of years ago at the University of Wisconsin. Are you aware of that one? Did you ever see that? There's all these cool pictures of the Dalai Lama with all these scientists with an fMRI machine and sophisticated brain mapping computers with some of his monks who've been meditating for 30 years who've got like EEG electrodes all over their brain and right and and they're measuring what happens to these guys when you know meditating for 30 years what happens to their brains their brains generate a certain brain frequency called gamma yes which had only been discovered eight nine years before that i was the first person to ever explore gamma meditation brain frequencies and put out a cd six years before the Dalai Lama did that research project. Wow. Um, we already had been meditating with that for years. But anyway, so here we get, he, they see that there's this gamma brain activity, and now we know that gamma meditation state is associated with a certain type of Tibetan Buddhist meditation. Mm-hmm. And when they were asked, what was it that you were meditating on? And what they're meditating on was universal empathy. Yeah. It's an emotional state of openness to all living beings. Um, anyway, and, and then there's discovery of something called the default mode network. Default mode network, which was uh, discovered back in 2001 by accident also, 
with fMRI machines, uh, moving pictures MRI, mm-hmm. where they discover these four zones in the brain, one at the front, one at the back, two in the parietal lobes at the sides, in very tight synchronicity with the brainwave activity of one pulse every 10 seconds. So slow, nobody ever picked it up before. And it turns out that these four zones are associated with extremely high states of meditation, like cosmic consciousness meditation, where this frontal zone is associated with my sense of self on the inside of my skin. And the occipital zone at the back is associated with my sense of self outside my skin. And when you synchronize those two up together, I get my sense of self in the middle. And these parietal zones have to do with my sense of time. So my sense of the present moment is a juxtaposition of memories from all of my past events up to the last second and anticipation where the next second, next minute, next year is going to be. And between those two, I get my sense of the present moment. And when those are synchronized up properly, my sense of the present moment appears to be normal. But what happens if they become unsynchronized? And I get all these news feeds. I get neurology news feeds and holistic news feeds and quantum physics news feeds and all that kind of stuff. Um, I monitor these situations a lot because I try to be as much on the cutting edge as possible, you know. Anyway, with this, the research reports started pouring in after they discovered default mode network uh, that when these four zones get unsynchronized, all hell breaks loose with neurological conditions, ADD, ADHD, PTSD, autism, um, schizophrenia, uh, psychiatric disorder, dissociative disorders, um, Alzheimer's, uh, Parkinson's. As a matter of fact, the placking that forms on the brain in Alzheimer's only forms on those four zones. Is that right? That's so fascinating. So I'm reading these articles about the devastating effects on health of the four zones coming unsynchronized. And of course, as usually happens in these scientific articles, nobody's got any solutions. It's just stating the fact of what they've discovered. Mm -hmm. Nobody's talking about what the hell do you do about it. And I'm looking at this going, that's what I do for a living, is synchronize up the hemispheres with binaural beats, two tones slightly out of tune that create a, a pulse. And by untuning them just right, the speed of the pulse is a brainwave speed, and that causes your brainwaves to lock onto that and change your state of consciousness. So if I can force the hemispheres to synchronize, which solves the problems for ADD and ADHD and dyslexia and autism and a bunch of and concussion, a bunch of other of those, this is like falling off a log. Let's just take the binaural beats and rotate them in three-dimensional space with 3D software and align them up with the default mode network and entrain to these extremely slow brain pulses. And, I, and so I produced, and so I started working with patients with that with unbelievable results, kind of mind-blowing stuff. And then I produced my first generic soundtrack, the first time in that's, that's ever been done, a brain entrainment soundtrack for default mode network. So I was the first to do gamma, the first to do Epsilon, I discovered Epsilon in 1986, uh, which I haven't discussed yet, but, and then in 2001, 
started working with default mode network. The, so if you go to my website, you can see this new default mode network soundtrack. It's called Beyond. Wow, I can't wait to check it out. And you guys, I'm going to put all these links in the show notes. So don't stress. I'll make sure you can access all these goodies. Yeah, so these soundtracks, you have to listen with headphones because there's 3D processing, there's phase modulations that entrain your brain waves, and those are in 3D. And there's all kinds of different sounds moving around in different ways for different purposes. Um, so headphones is important. Um, but let's go back to your first question. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think I could do that, did you? <laughs> well, that's a testament to the work that you do that you can hold on to so many different lines of inquiry simultaneously. And that's probably a result of these. It's, um, it's the, it's the sign of, of a, of a, of a tuned nervous system. And that's what I do therapeutically with people. So your brain, what it does best is multitask and it multitasks with a great deal, deal of efficiency and efficiency is the key of how the body works so let's just pick that apart for a second uh, the body is this very complex mechanism of nested systems coordinated by one system with local nodes of intelligence spread throughout but everybody answers to a central um, baton mm -hmm. doing the dance mm -hmm. um, that's the autonomic nervous system Mm -hmm. But the body is simple in its rules. There's only two basic rules that govern everything that goes on in the body. Rule number one, survive at all costs. Mm -hmm. If your life is threatened, mobilize 100% of your energy and pull out all the stops in order to save your life. Because otherwise, what's the use of anything? <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, uh, mm -hmm. Rule number two, do no self-harm unless it breaks rule number one. In other words, you have permission to do self-harm to chew your foot off if you're trapped and you'll die. So you can do self-harm to obey a higher rule, which is survive at all costs. Um, but a subset of rule number two is uh, be as ecological as possible. Save as much life energy as possible. Get the most work with the least amount of energy expended. Uh, and basically that's the same rule that the universe itself abides by. It's an ecological universe, always looking for the path of least resistance to save the most energy. And it's done an incredible job of doing that. It's an airtight system and the body is the same way. So there's a lot of behaviors and a lot of nested systems specifically to try to save energy all the time. That's the reason we've got bioclocks. Bio in the center of that hypothalamus is one of those little organelles called the suprachiasmic nucleus. Mm -hmm. It's hardwired right into the pineal gland at the up back center of your brain. And that's sensitive to light dark cycles because it's derived from the same embryonic tissue as your eyeball. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the one that uh, is associated with the crown chakra. It produces melatonin. It's associated with uh, turning on and off my sleep cycle. Mm -hmm. It's also associated with timing my body thermostat for the sec for the right for the correct season of the year mm -hmm. by noticing the length of the day. And every day is a different length of sunshine, 
right? Summer Equinox, winter Equinox. Right. Uh, adjusting my body thermostat. Uh, if that's out of sync, we have seasonal affective disorder. Uh, if we have, uh, and you know, you're, uh, and for, for women who, uh, you know, you ha you're timing your ovulation cycle to the 28 and a half day full moon, new moon cycle that the pineal gland is being sensitive to. Yes. Uh, so your body is doing all of these things in order to save energy. And if they start to break down and become out of sync, you start puffing and blowing all kinds of extra energy using up all your resources. And that creates all kinds of problems. Um, you can retime those. For instance, uh, in my clinical practice, my big practice was uh, neuro neurological developmental problems with children and women's problems. And most of those problems had to do with the menstrual cycle one way or another. Mm -hmm. Irregular menstrual cycle, about 40% of women uh, can fix that by burning a little tiny light bulb in the bedroom over by the window for the two weeks of the new moon, no moon shining out. Uh -huh. That's fooling the pineal gland into thinking the full moon is still shining and it resets the bio clock for your ovulation cycle. We can do that with sound waves, um, but that's done with light. Uh, we can do the same thing with a, a seasonal affective disorder by exposing you to one hour a day of full spectrum daylight bulbs. Right. Uh, uh, but when we look at the uh, autonomic nervous system, so I, um, at one point when I came across the heart rate variability system and I realized that this was a medical system that could see the autonomic nervous system on a computer screen. It was a snapshot system because it's a gold standard in medicine where we can predict very accurately heart attacks. And we can also do a, uh, a standardized assessment of your current state of physical health that outshines every other test that's ever been developed. Um, you can chart your current state of health against 66 possible states of health on a graph. And then you can watch that number move in the graph as you do whatever therapy you do to objectively prove that what you're doing is working. So that's what I was doing early on in my work with uh, sound healing, with biotuning. Uh, but then I started uh, contacting around these uh, heart rate variability companies. I talked to every single one of them. I'm looking for a company who had a real-time system and nobody had it. And I finally got one company who said, we thought about it, but we didn't think there was a market. And they were right. There's no medical market. They already have what they need. Mm -hmm. But I was saying, no, no, no. I need a real-time system to tell, so I can see the autonomic nervous system live so I can find out what sound frequencies to use to heal you. Mm -hmm. And they thought, uh, that's a possible idea that could work. So, so we will develop that real-time system for you if you will agree to use our company for the system. And I said, fine. So we did a deal. I beta tested that for six years with patients and developed my own screens and readouts. And that's what I currently use. When I started beta testing that with people, I was in for a big surprise. Uh, first of all, here's how I do the test. Uh, there's a test called the Raglan test, which is a blood pressure cuff test, uh -huh. where you lay a person down on their back and wait for the blood pressure to lower to its lowest baseline. A blood pressure, respiration, heart rate will go to their baseline when you're relaxed, laying on your back. 
And then you stand a person up and you take their blood pressure. And what should happen is gravity is going to pull all the blood out of your head to your feet. And then you die. <laughs> right? So, so there's barometric receptors in your carotid arteries sensitive to the pressure drop. Right. That signals a stress response. And the alarms go off and the sympathetic turns on. Signals the pituitary to signal the adrenal glands to raise my blood pressure, just the amount to equalize that. That's called gravity stress. Mm -hmm. That means that we should all be walking around with a little bit of high blood pressure uh, to equalize that and a little bit of high sympathetic tone, and that's normal. Uh, so I um, created what I call a reversed Raglan test. That's the Raglan test with the blood pressure cuff. A reverse Raglan test is we hook you up to the heart rate variability monitor and we lay you down on your back. So first we start with the gravity stress. And when you lay on your back, there's no more gravity stress. And we should expect to see the blood pressure, respiration, heart rate drop down to their lowest within three minutes. Mm -hmm. But who tells them what to do is the sympathetic parasympathetic nervous system. So I don't have to watch blood pressure anymore. I'm further up the headwaters at the origin of all of it. Mm -hmm. I'm watching the, so there should be sympathetic tone on when you first lay down and we should watch that collapse down to zero within three minutes to this state called homeostasis where neither the sympathetic or the parasympathetic are active. Sympathetic is fight or flight response. Parasympathetic mobilizes my energy to digest my food and eliminate toxins and other house cleaning events. Mm -hmm. uh, but when neither of those are happening, the clutch should be pushed in, the energy should be back into my reservoir, this homeostasis state. And my body should be working on a continual maintenance list of a thousand things to do every minute, right, mm -hmm. or every hour. It's a constant maintenance thing going on. Internal healing program. What I was seeing, when I was laying these patients down, six years of patients, mm -hmm. nobody had a normal response, not a single person. After Did five... people come that had no health ailments? Or were they all patients with... No, they were all patients. Granted, they're all patients okay. who have been every place else and nothing worked, and they're at the okay. rich doctor at the end of the trail. Yes, I understand. But 100% of every person coming in can't have the same thing. Huh. Even under those circumstances, you wouldn't see everybody with the same thing. Hmm. Uh, and since then, I know that I've discovered an underlying health condition that nobody seems to know about it because nobody's got the equipment to do that measurement except for me because I helped develop it. So what I'm seeing is after five minutes and after 10 minutes, the sympathetic is still strongly on. It's not moving. And that is not normal. Absolutely not normal. It means that you're running a fight or flight response all the time that doesn't stop. It's right. It's in this cycle that's stuck, and it means I'm burning up all my resources. And when you pick apart the physiology of the stress response, which we know very, very, very well, um, right? The moment I feel threatened, my amygdala and hippocampal emotional control centers signal uh, the autonomic nervous system. It kicks on the sympathetic and it kicks the pituitary, and the pituitary kicks the adrenal glands, uh -huh. and the adrenal glands raise my heart rate, respiration, blood pressure, adrenaline is flooding my system, 
uh, adrenaline suppresses pancreas. Extra glucose is liberated to be super strong. Mm-hmm. Energy is pulled from my gut, my elimination system, my, my immune system, my higher brain centers, and put it in my muscles to fight for my life. So I, my you know, digestion is impaired. Elimination of toxins impaired. Immune system is impaired. Uh, concentration memory is impaired, right? And these people have had this condition for 20, 30 years. 20 or 30 years without working on your maintenance list and all your systems start to break down. And when they break down to a certain point, we get symptoms. And we go to the doctor and he gives us a pill to silence those symptoms while it all gets worse. New symptoms, new pills. Pretty soon I am this unimaginable nightmare of symptoms and nobody can figure out what's going on with me. And now I'm in a state of despair. And as soon as I start feeling the emotion of nobody's got a solution for me, I'm screwed, (laughs) right? Then now we've got uh, clinical depression setting in because my emotional state of feeling bad about how bad I feel makes me worse because that's a new stress. Right. And then I feel worse about it and that makes me feel more worse. And now we've got a new vicious cycle going. We've got two vicious cycles going. Right. And the system begins to break down quickly until eventually we do end up as a pathological symptom popping up. And now we truly are a medical case. And that's when they get, when I get people um, to untangle that. And in, so my innovation is here I'm seeing you laying on your back with the sympathetic just on. Mm-hmm. And my innovation is there's a sound frequency that's very precise that will turn that off. That'll hit the reset. that individual? Every individual has a slightly different one? Everybody's unique. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Everything about you is unique. Every single finger and every toe has a different fingerprint, right? And every person in the universe who has ever existed, whoever will exist, will have 20 different ones on their body that are different than, than anybody else ever had. Your voice. Why my voice sounds like me is because of the qualities of the tissue mass of my vocal cords that give a characteristic timbre to my voice. And that on a, a, on a, in a recording studio, I can do a spectral analysis of my voice and I can see all the harmonics and overtones that makes my voice sound like me. Those sets of harmonics and overtones are unique to me, just like my fingerprint. It's called a voice print. Yeah. That's how the government can tell who's on a cell phone from a satellite. It's voice print analysis. Yeah. So um, everything about you is unique. The proportions of your face are unique. That's facial recognition software, right? The shape of your ear is unique. We could do a whole thing just from the shape of your ear. The iris is unique. Everything about you. It's just a mind blower. Really, it's, it's a fractal. It's a, it's a galactic universal fractal. Anyway. So is it true that your sound products that we can purchase on your website, that gets us to like the 80-20 rule, like we're 80% back into balance. And then if we have more yeah. severe cases, we need to work one-on-one to tweak that last 20%. Right. After seeing, you know, thousands of patients, i been doing this for 40 years now uh, you start to, to see general bell curve trends yeah what's the best kind of music for alpha 
for an alpha brain state? What's the best kind for theta or delta or epsilon or gamma? Or what, what is the best kind of music for that? What's the best kind of brain entrainment for this and this and this and this kind of condition? Um, so those kind of generalized factors ended up giving me the ability to make general soundtracks. And I've, there's a lot of soundtracks. When, when you go, uh, I think I've got 50 CDs and some of them are four sets and two sets and one sets, but it's a lot of material. And on the website to make sense of it all, we've categorized them in uh, sleep category and meditation category and relaxation category and creativity category and learning and memory. And so it depends on what you're looking for that you go to that section on the website so you can go to what you need. Um, uh, but all of it is based on the work with individuals. So for instance, here I've got you laying on this table. I've got you hooked up to my heart rate variability. I can see your sympathetic is stuck. I know there's a sound frequency that's going to unstick that. I don't know what that frequency is. So I created a computerized program that sweeps every frequency through your body from 50 hertz to 200 hertz through two octaves, through a sound table that I created to put the low frequencies kind of into your cells. And so you're laying there with the sound sweeping along. It's, you know, it's kind of going, oh, you know. And as it's reaching the sweet spot for you, we can see your sympathetic nervous system beginning to collapse down its stress in response to that until it hits this magic point. And then my computer program will capture what frequency was playing that, that made that happen. And that is accurate to a couple of decimal points. So it's a very precise frequency. You know, let's say your frequency is 125.15 hertz and it's A sharp plus 23 on a keyboard. And what I mean by that is I can tune between A and A sharp by 100 steps with a digital readout. So A sharp plus 23 means the note A sharp plus 23 divisions out of 100 steps of sharp. Got it. Um, that's, that's the level of accuracy that we're working at. And so this now is elevated sound therapy into a new territory that most people don't associate with sound therapy. So I call, I try to make up another name, something like, you know, sonic induction therapy or something. Um, so we don't confuse it with Tibetan bowls or something that's way more generic. Um, this is a, a highly precise ability to use very specific frequencies to cause a measurable effect in your autonomic nervous system and eventually in your brain waves. So let's, let's pick apart sound a little bit. When I take a wine glass, I just happen to <clears throat> have a wine glass here. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to sing a certain note to make the wine glass vibrate, right? We all know this phenomenon. It's a sympathetic resonance thing. Mm -hmm. The underpinnings of why this work is a whole science called the science of coupled oscillators. The fact that everything in the universe wants to dance together, to resonate together, why? To save energy. The universe is trying to obey rule number two, get the most work, the least amount of energy expended. Mm. So how do I know what note to sing? Ping the glass. So can you hear that? Mm -hmm. So 
on that note. And if I could sing that note loud enough, we'd see this wine glass start to vibrate and vibrate. And if I could sing it louder and louder and louder, it would vibrate to a point where it shatters. It can't contain its own energy anymore. But just before that point, the glass is holding the highest possible state of energy it can contain without exploding. Yes. And we can do tests on your body to find out what is the frequency for the cells of your disc or the cells of your liver or the cells of your fifth lumbar vertebra or the cells of the organelle inside the hypothalamus that controls the vagus nerve that drives the autonomic nervous system of sympathetic parasympathetic balance that controls every system in your body, right? So if uh, that's what cells do when they go into a healing response. They go into a higher energy state higher metabolic state, higher intake of food, expelling of waste, and rebuilding of tissue. So I'm saying that with sound waves, we can cause that cellular response and boost your cells into the highest possible energy state that they could ever go to, they couldn't go to on their own, to create a super healing state for rehab, for a blown disc in your fifth lumbar or something, right? Or to well, the thought that comes to mind is it also possibly dangerous if you don't know what you're doing then because then the glass breaks just after that, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's what separates, quote, the men from the boys is the professional from the, from the amateur mm-hmm. is you make sure you do it right. You make sure that, you're, that you understand what you're up to. And that's part of the trouble that we get into with binaural beats and brain entrainment. It's so easy to create binaural beats and entrain brainwaves. It's such a super powerful tool mm-hmm. that you end up with the 80-20 rule once again, where 80% of the people out there in commerce don't have a clue what they're doing. They're entrepreneurs jumping on a bandwagon to make a buck or to make a brain entrainment CD mm-hmm. or a relaxation soundtrack or a this or a that. And then you'll see all kinds of fantastical claims about we can do this and we can do that. and they learn just enough to get themselves in trouble, <laughs> you know. Um, but it's such a powerful tool that good gets done anyhow, you know. The, but anyway, so once we have this frequency, um, if I ping this glass and I sing that note, there's a law of physics that governs this. Um, and one of those laws is octave resonance. If I sing any octave of that note, Yes. And for the non-musicians out there, an octave is one half the frequency or double the frequency. For instance, middle A on the piano is 440 hertz. But if I play middle, if I play A an octave higher, it's 880 and 1660. And if I drop it down, it's 440, 220, 110, 55. An octave. This is developed by Pythagoras, right back in the island of Samos and oh. the mystery school, where he discovered that geometry and music theory are one and the same thing, that a string one half the length is, is a higher octave, um, and one third and two fifths, and those fractions are harmonics, and that's the foundation of chords, and why sounds played together seem to be harmonious and seem to be pleasing to our brain, because why? Because they reiterate the mathematics of how my body is constructed, and who constructed my body? Inside me. 
way down in my unconscious mind is recognizing a pattern of mathematics that it used to design my body. And it always appears to be pleasing to it. It says, oh, I'm pleased by that because I use that math to make me. It's all based on music theory. The, the, the periodic table based on music theory. It's all part of this divine, beautiful, mind-boggling, mystical, amazing universe that we are, that we keep forgetting about and, and keep getting hypnotized into thinking that life is just some ordinary thing with job descriptions and driving to my work and watching television and seeing movies and having superficial conversations about nothing. No, no. Every atom in your body was once inside a star. And every proton of every atom in your body is the oldest particles in the whole flipping universe. It, we're magical beings inhabiting temporarily a physical form that's not physical. <laughs> you know, you take your body apart. There's bodies made of, you know, cells are made of compounds, made of atoms, made of protons, electrons, and neutrons made of quarks and charms and hadrons and leptons. And you break the smallest particle open and there's nothing down there except energy pattern relationships in a standing wave. But nobody knows what's vibrating. They can't measure it. It's too fine. They call it dark matter. They used to call it the ether. I call it consciousness. And so does the Upanishads. And so does the Sutras of Patanjali from ancient India. So does the ancient Chinese texts of the uh, I Ching from China. I mean, it's the answers are out there. We just haven't been listening. Now science discovers God with quantum physics. It's, the, <laughs> it's all standing waves, all energy. It's all vibrating. It's something. It's something is vibrating, but we can't measure it. Uh, and then Einstein comes along and says, e "Equals mc squared. Energy equals matter. It's all one thing. Mm -hmm. It's it's just how much energy is contained in the smallest particle of matter." And the smallest particle of matter is an atom of that substance. So that's, you know, it's, uh, and so with sound vibration, it's all the same stuff again. We're using energy in its purest form, a mechanical energy wave that we call sound. Mm -hmm. It's the only thing in the universe that is not on the electromagnetic spectrum that we learned in high school, right? Where down here is television and radio and x-ray and, color frequencies up here in, in mm -hmm. angstrom frequencies. And then there's cosmic rays and gamma rays and all that stuff, right? That's the electromagnetic spectrum. There's only one thing that's not on there, and that is sound. Sound's a mechanical energy wave. Pure energy moving through a medium. Right now it's moving through air molecules to reach your ears. Uh, but if I'm in water, it travels five times better through a fluid because the molecules are more densely packed. If I'm uh, through a solid, five times better than water. So the body is a perfect medium, water and bone, solid and fluid. Uh, and how did we all start? In the womb, floating, weightless, in amniotic body temperature fluid, amniotic fluid. We're in a float tank. Have you ever been in a float tank? Uh -huh. Right? After an hour, think about it. After five minutes of no input, your brain starts to invent input. Right? You hallucinate. You hallucinate visions, sounds, sensations. And after an hour, you come out, you go, wow. Multiply that by nine months. That's the womb experience. Nine months in a float tank. And at 
16 to 24 weeks when the uh, nervous system, when all five senses first come online, you're in the dark, so you can't see. Your nose and mouth are filled with fluid, can't taste, can't smell. Sound travels through water five times better than air. Mm -hmm. All of us are initiated by sound and vibration for nine months. That's our initiation, all of us. We're brothers and sisters with the same experience. We all had the same thing happen to us. Sound was the first thing any of us ever experienced for nine months. So, of course, it's the most powerful tool for digging to the deepest part of my unconscious experience. It's, it's the, it, it stood the test of time in every culture on the planet. Every culture has got a sound tradition. And those traditions all are centered on spirituality. It's not healing. Healing is a door prize. For me, uh, and those are the most powerful healings I get with patients, right? We, we, we rebalance this. We break that vicious cycle. Energy comes back to my, my reservoir. My body immediately starts working on this maintenance list that has been abandoned for 20 or 30 years. And I start to untangle the mess that I've gotten myself into. And I start to, at some point, detoxify uh, from my body, detoxify emotions, detoxify self-defeating belief systems. My system is getting stronger and stronger all the time. The only reason I'm holding those is because I can't break rule number two. My body says, I want to release these toxins. And the brain says, I don't think so because the stress handling system is offline right now. Mm -hmm. It's not available. There's no energy to do that. It's going to do self-harm to try to do that. So we have to hold it for now. Only reason I'm holding stuff. The body wasn't designed to hold toxins. It only holds toxins because it has to, because it's too weak to deal with it. The only reason I, I don't detoxify my emotions is because I have to obey rule number two. But as soon as that is uh, fixed, all that stuff goes away. And at some point, I'm no longer a broken person trying to get fixed. I'm a fixed person asking, now what? And that's what sound has been used in every culture on earth. And I believe that's what Star Trek high-tech meditation with sound waves is all about. The future has already been here for decades. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows about it. It's, it's here. Our ability to maximize our creativity, problem-solving abilities, access to inspiration is already here. We're using binaural beats through headphones to synchronize up the hemispheres in just the zone the brain goes to to access new original thinking and ideas, access states of meditation. It's all here. Could we distill? There's so much, you guys. I think... Um... Many of us will listen to this interview five, six, seven, ten times to really integrate everything that you're sharing with us. But you shared that there's really, after studying the reverse Wrangland tests, there's really one condition that everybody has. Can you distill that down to like one sentence? What is your diagnosis of really the underlying root cause of all illness? What is that? Yeah, that's a great question. So I am now firmly convinced that it is stress. And it's a combination of the stresses coming at us and our ability to handle stress. And our ability to handle stress is how balanced are we. The more balanced we are, the more stress we can handle. But think about it for a minute. The, my body 
was designed for an environment of 70,000 years ago. It takes 10,000 10, years of slow adaptive evolution to meet a changing environment. And traditionally, the environment changes over long epochs of time, but not in the last 200 years, the last 150 years. The Industrial Revolution just threw a monkey wrench in the whole thing. And, and now it's the information age. We are in a state of a man-made environment that our bodies can't possibly uh, adapt to fast enough as a, from an evolutionary standpoint. So what happens, and think about it for a minute. I mean, 70,000 years ago, I woke up with the sun and I grabbed my spear and I went searching for breakfast. And when I see some rabbit or something and it sees me, this, the race is on and the sympathetic goes on over dry for both of us. We run around until we're exhausted and whoever's the most fit gets to have the other guy for breakfast. <laughs> uh -huh. Right. And then I come back and I make some sandals out of the skin and I, and I make some stew and I pick some berries and I make some babies and that's my work day. <laughs> yeah. Right. Compare that to what we have now. Right. Alarm clocks, rushing around for breakfast, kids to school, in a car in a traffic jam to a job that doesn't pay enough money. And why is it always a boss has the emotional development of a three-year-old? <laughs> and then it's back to a traffic jam, back to a rush dinner and seven o'clock news, watch the world burn to relax. And it's tomorrow is another alarm clock day for 30 years. It used to be 30 years and now you get fired at 10 years. <laughs> It's unimaginable stresses. We're not talking about the fumes yeah. coming out of the carpet and electromagnetic frequencies coming out of your walls and military frequencies and microwaves. And now it's going to be 5G and smart meters. And it's insane. And the body is not designed for it. And the body is, is faced with a marathon of stress when it was designed for a sprint. So its adaptive process is to put the foot to the metal, race the engine, put me into sympathetic overdrive, and just bullnose my way through it with uh, momentum as part of my strategy. What the body does best is rob Peter to pay Paul to make the situation work anyway, uh -huh. to uh, jury rig the situation with bailing wire and, and duct tape and get by anyhow. And it's a testament that the body can do this for 30 years, 40 years before it blows a gasket. And the gasket it blows, heart attack and stroke, two biggest killers. Yeah. The very first thing to fall, sleep. It's like if I want to get to the top of a big hill with my car, part of my strategy is going to be speed. I'm going to build up speed before I hit that hill, right? That's part of my strategy, momentum. Okay. I'm not going to be inspired to stop halfway up the hill and park, get a good night's sleep. No, because i got to start tomorrow on a hill. So what do we do? We, we lose the lowest part of sleep, the deepest part of sleep where I'm most vulnerable. I don't want to go there because I feel threatened. That's delta sleep. That's where I get physical recuperation. Just what I need most because <laughs> I'm, I'm not working on my maintenance list because sympathetic is on pulling all that energy. Right, so we're in this impossible situation. We can, we have an epidemic of chronic insomnia throughout the whole industrialized world, yeah. and and now we have all these stress-related conditions. All of them 
boil down to all roads lead to the autonomic nervous system. All roads lead to my stress handling ability is impaired. For instance, let's just say 20 years of not working on my maintenance list, 20 years of not digesting my food properly, not eliminating the toxins properly, my immune system compromised, my brain's not quite working right. The immune system begins to falter. It starts to think, what was I supposed to do? That was 20 years ago. I'm starting to forget. Right. So I'm going to attack me. Let's say I attack my thyroid. Now I've got Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Autoimmune disease is eating my thyroid. But this person over here has got Crohn's disease. It's attacking their gut. This person over here is attacking their joints. They've got rheumatoid arthritis. So all those three conditions with fancy schmancy names with insurance billing codes and some medical procedure, which pills I'm supposed to give you to silence those symptoms, right? Those all are the same condition. They're not three separate conditions. The condition is my immune system has a problem and it's attacking inappropriate things. That's the condition. And it's not the uh, immune system's fault either. It's the autonomic nervous system is running a fight or flight response that's the problem. Mm -hmm. That's why the immune system is offline and that's why it's faltering in its ability to understand who is supposed to attack. That's the problem. So when you push the clutch back in and the internal physician program starts unraveling its issues from the inside out the way it's supposed to, all of that stuff goes away. So in one sentence, what is your definition of health then? Uh, the lack of dis-ease. Pick the word apart. Dis-ease. I have, I, I've lost my ease. And ease is what? Homeostasis. Homeo within myself. Stasis. Complete rest. Zero stress in the autonomic nervous system. An oasis of safe, no stress. When I feel safe, then I can heal. It's a prerequisite. Well, you learn it in school. I mean, I learned that anatomy and physiology class in my first couple of years of school, right? It's the definition of health is, is balance in the system. Homeostasis on uh, every system has homeostasis. I mean, homeostasis could be uh, the wake sleep cycle is normal. Homeostasis could be how much urine I pass in a 24 hour period. That's homeostasis of the kidneys. Homeostasis of CO2 oxygen exchange with every breath. I mean, but homeostasis in the autonomic nervous system, the master system that tells all homeostasis systems what to do, if that has no homeostasis, then everybody starts to fall apart. So for me, a definition of health is balance, homeostasis, zero stress in the system where all the systems are working properly and deeper than that it's homeostasis in my soul and what i mean by that is uh after i've detoxed my physical body and my emotions and my self-defeating belief systems the biggest healing events that i see with patients are when they arrive at the catharsis of spirit where you realize, oh, I forgot. Why am I here? Why, why was I put on earth? What's my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Why did nature design me? 
why am I a, I'm a, a hyperdimensional puzzle piece in an infinite dimensional universe where every puzzle piece has importance, that the whole universe falls apart if one puzzle piece disappears. Right, we learned this in high school physics. Uh, the energy can neither be created nor destroyed. The universe is whole as it is. Mm -hmm. You can't remove a single atom from it and have it remain. <laughs> you can't add an atom. You can't remove an atom. Everything is pure and perfect as it is. Therefore, why am I here? Everything is on purpose. What's my purpose? And when I, and there comes a, a time for each of us when we first face that question, um, where life is a road that we're fated to walk, and that road will lead to a fork. We're fated to always come to a fork. And then we're fated to make a free will decision over and over and over again. Of which fork shall I choose? Fork to the right is the better of my soul. It follows my heart. I want to do. That's what I want to do. That's what gets my juices flowing. That's what pops me out of bed in the morning, anxious to be on with my day. But it's a big chasm with, with, with no visible means of support. It's the tightrope. And I can't figure out with my mind, how am I going to make my life work that way? I can't figure it out. The other fork is play it safe. All my mentors and adults in my life whispering in my ear, grow up, get a job, work for the future, work for some safety net, get an IRA, you know, get a tar retirement account, an IRA account, and, you know, uh, get, get a financial advisor, on and on and on, get a job. And usually out of fear, we take that choice. And the moment we choose that is where the pain starts. That's when my first symptom begins. And that road is going to lead to another fork. And every time I choose the left instead of the right, the pain deepens until I'm a mess because I'm doing a job for some stupid boss, for not enough money, and I abandon my search, my, I abandon my understanding that life is magical, that it's not jobs, it's got nothing to do with that. Me trying to find a safe place in the world, that's erroneous. In reality, the real decision when I make that choice is, do I believe that the universe is a beneficent place who's looking out for me? My job is to say, this is what my heart wants. This is what it's about. I want that path, but I can't figure out how I'm going to make it work. Excuse me, that's not your job. It's the universe's job to figure that out for you. Your job is to make that choice. The universe's job is to open the doors, turn the lights green, make the synchronicities show up, the right people show up, the wrong phone call to the right person. It's a serendipitous, synchronized beautiful dance that you and the universe begin to interact with now as opposed to the other choice is i believe the universe is a hostile environment and i have to fight tooth and claw for my little spot and then defend it and that's our current world that's the world we live in we live in this doggy dog world where we have been hypnotized into believing that the universe is a hostile place that we have to fight for and we have to look out for ourselves, and it's me first, yeah. as opposed to, no, 
it's a universal symbiotic relationship among all living beings. We're all in this together. And when I make the right choice for the better of my soul, the universe is there for me. And it supplies me with all the people I need and all the tools I need to get that job done. They're already laying at my feet. If you think about it, anything you want to accomplish, you already know all the people you need to know. You already got all the tools you need to do. You're stumbling on them because they're at your feet. <laughs> it's, and that's the revelation that happens at the moment when you teleport back to the first time you ever made the wrong decision and why you made it without a fear. And that fear blows away because you understand that, you, that there's a, a divine relationship between me and every other thing in the universe, that we're one thing and I'm here for a job. And uh, when I do that job, the illness falls away. That's the hallmark of every patient I've seen who've had a spontaneous remission. The person who had the cancer death sentence dies and the person who's born out of that experience is a completely different person who's got their purpose. A person who's born out of that who says, I don't need that cancer anymore. I get it. This is why I'm here. And you have to be courageous and fearless in announcing to the universe, this is me. Take it or leave it. You don't like it? Go find somebody else. <laughs> I don't have time for you anymore. I, I, you know, I looked in the mirror one day, I saw I had gray hair. I said, oh my God, how did I get here? But at least I've earned the right to fire people out of my space. I don't have time for the baloney anymore. I don't have time for people who don't contribute. I am all about finding my spirit tribe, the people who give energy to me and I can give energy back to. We've formed symbiotic relationships. 4.5 billion years ago in the primordial soup, in the primordial earth, where the little organisms or little single cell guys are fighting it out, duking it out for the food particles. And all of a sudden, something happened, something shifted. And all of a sudden, the little creatures realized if we combine forces together and form a symbiotic relationship, we have a better possibility of surviving by cooperating than competing. That created the first multicellular organisms, which evolved into larger and larger, denser forms of organization until they crawled out of the ocean and became you and me. And here we are, multicellular organisms in a perfect state of symbiosis with each other, like the biome. <laughs> Think about it. There's more of them than there are us. We're just a host yeah. for a community that is talking together and working together right? And so now human beings, these multicellular organisms are duking it out for the morsels of food. And I'm waiting for the event where we all wake up and realize cooperation is better than competition. Let's form a global multicellular organism, a global symbiotic relationship of all living beings. That's the way it's supposed to be. And the more What you're talking about is the underlying paradigm of all the systems, all the paradigms. The, this it's all of it. Of understanding life changes everything from medicine to education to parenting to economy to business. And all, all the societal systems would be completely flipped right. around if we human, understood this. Human beings need a major 
spiritual revolution of consciousness to come to this understanding in order to save the planet's ability to support our species and this coming on us we don't have the luxury of screwing around anymore we've there is consequences to pay for being asleep right there's consequences you you can't continually break the laws of nature that all other forms of life in the universe obey the laws of nature that we see operating on planet earth that we alone are breaking consistently to the point we're destroying the planet's ability to support our life forms biodiversity is down 50 percent oceans are warming ocean beings are migrating to save their lives uh, the planet is in serious difficulty we still have the ability to do something about it but we can't we can no longer pretend that the house is not on fire we have to act as if the house is on fire there's no longer screwing around and having polite conversations and, and making accommodations to the quote other side no uh-uh not when the bus is about to go over the cliff yeah. it's time to wake up in earnest it's it, it, it we need a call of light beings who have wakened up to no longer sit on the sidelines and be silent it's time to be courageous and stand up and grab a sign and stand on the street i don't whatever it takes we have to do it that's you that's me that's people who are listening to us right now they wouldn't be listening to this channel if they already hadn't had some level of wakening up to understand what I'm saying to be true. This, I'm not saying anything you don't know already, mm-hmm. but this is, I don't know. I mean, I'm uh, modern medicine reflects what I see in the world. I'm sitting on my couch watching my favorite TV show and the alarm, the smoke alarm goes off and I'm pissed. So they prescribe earmuffs. But that's not good enough because I can still hear it because it's loud. So they go the next step and have an operation and remove the batteries from the smoke alarm. And now the fire has worked its way into the living room and it's burning up the arm of my couch. And I'm getting blisters on my arm, second degree burns. So they prescribe cortisone cream. That is modern medicine and that is the attitude towards earth. It's the same system. It's a fractal. It's, it's manifesting the same way we approach our health is the same way we approach our planet. The planet is not disposable. We need to obey rule number one and rule number two of the universe, survive, and number two, do not self-harm. So I want to tie it back to what you were talking about before in our primordial experience as human is the experience of sound before any of the other senses. I'm in my second trimester of pregnancy. It's super exciting. And I have a beautiful first child and um, a magical journey of how he was conceived, that he showed up in meditation and in dream time and explained himself and negotiated his his conception. And we had this really um, incredible conscious conception experience with him. That's Um, awesome. Very special. Child conceived in love is a special child. Now he negotiated the conception of his sibling. And so his sibling is in my womb. And um, I love to hear 
what I can do as a parent to give this child the most beautiful, pure start to life through sound or any other modalities? Yeah, I, you know, there's because the, the only thing we're experiencing in the womb is sound and vibration, then you can use that as a tool to enhance that experience. Um, and there was a study done at Stanford a number of years ago. And it has some crazy analogies. You'll, you'll see what I'm talking about in a minute. But they did these experiments with rats in cages in, in two different groups, the, the impoverished environment and the enriched environment. And the impoverished environment rats were in battleship gray cages and they had nothing to do, nothing to play with, and the same slop to eat every day. Low lighting. They became big and fat and stupid and unhealthy. And then the Disneyland for the rats, the enriched environments, was different colored cages. They moved them every day. They had different mazes to play on, different toys every day, all kinds of different cool food to do. And, and they became... Uh, fit and very healthy and average IQ is up 30 points. When they sacrificed their brains, they had the same configuration in their brains as Einstein had. 30% denser connections between neurons. 30% heavier brain, 30% denser connections between neurons. Not more neurons, more connections between neurons, which is a sign of high IQ. And when you think about it, and I hate to put it this way, the, a baby in a womb is a rat in a cage. Right? <laughs> okay. And, and yeah. now we can make that an impoverished or an enriched environment. And if we make it an enrichment environment, I can almost guarantee you a 30% jump in IQ, just like they showed with the rats with the in, in, enriched environment. Except with the rats, they could do all kinds of visual, auditory, kinesthetic things, but with the with the child, right? You're in the dark. Right. Your eyes are working, but there's nothing there. Uh, the uh, but sound and vibration is my full experience, so I can enhance that. Take headphones, put them on your belly, stereo on either side. Play Beethoven, play Brahms, paint Schubert, play play a musical instrument. Put a guitar against your belly. Sing to your baby. Right? Your baby is hearing your voice through your body cavities. Um, have the father take the, um, here, see this guy here? Uh -huh. Strip all the paper away. Take that cardboard thing there. Stick it up against your belly. Have the father speak down there. Junior, this is your father speaking. <laughs> Sing to your baby. Do stuff. In, enrich the environment, which you can do through sound and vibration. You could put strong lights on your belly. The light will filter through. Make it Disneyland for your baby. Oh. In the third trimester, when your belly is stretched, it becomes a microphone. Police your television. Right? Think about all the mothers out there who don't know. Right. They're watching 50 murders a week on television. They're watching the 7 o'clock news, watching the world burn. The baby gets all that stuff. Right. You, you're the master of policing for your baby. You're the advocate for your baby. You right. police that environment. And if I had my way, uh, you know, the baby would be born in body temperature water. Yeah. Our in, a first dim, in, a, in a dim room with music playing yes. and your tribe present. 
midwife, chiropractor, acupuncturist. Yes. Make it a halfway house into this. They won't cry. They won't be crying. My child did not cry. Yeah. Yeah. My son Shay was born with NASA space sounds playing from Earth orbit. It sounds like dolphins and whales and crickets and birds. We had our chiropractor and, and our acupuncturist and our midwife and our astrologer was there to note the time because we're all distracted and freaking out. Right. We, um, that's how we did it. And Shay did not cry. He sat there, big giant eyeballs looking at everybody. He looked at every single person in the room. And I thought, wait a second, I learned in school, the babies can't focus yet. Nope, that's not true. <laughs> yeah, and there was no, eye, there was no eye goop. There was no vitamin K shot. There was no hep B because he's not sharing needles with heroin addicts in the alley. Uh, no vaccinations, uh, no uh, circumcisions, no ritual mutilation of his penis. I mean, yeah. with no anesthesia, give me a break. What do you, th- why do you think the male dominated world is so screwed up? Somebody came after their penis with a razor blade in the first five minutes of their birth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Delayed cord clamping. Yes. Right. Me as a child, I almost died when I was born from anemia. Why? Because they clamped the cord and 30% of my blood was missing. Right. Right. Let it all drain in there. Immune factors, vitamin K, enzymes, all that stuff. 30% of the blood needs to go back into the baby. Yes. Um, I mean, people have been having babies since the beginning of time. We don't need these monkeys in lab coats telling us what to do. (laughs) That's, That's what I get when I talk about Alternative and complementary medicine. Excuse me. Complementary to what? Alternative to who? We were around first. You Johnny come lately with your medicines and your scalpels. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> yeah. Except that when the mothers and many, we're talking about intergenerations of stress and trauma that never got resolved. And then it turns into... Um, different conditions of birth, which might actually require interventions, right? If it's we, had, we had a holistic-minded medical uh, doctor with us. I mean, he monitored the whole thing, but we picked and choosed. Yeah. He had to be on our team. He had to be aligned with our state of mind. And in case there's emergency, that's what medicine does best, the emergency ward. That's what they do best. That's how they should be used. Yes. But when you use the tools of pathology for functional conditions, you end up with pathology. That's not the way to go. Yes. But no, I'm not, I'm not advocating that you don't have a hospital plan. You have a medical doctor on your team, but make sure that they understand your birth plan. I mean, those are, those are my feelings about yeah. my studied opinion about, you know, uh, vaccines and vitamin K and all the rest of it. You make your decision. You have been stamped with the responsibility for a life that is growing inside your womb. That is the most ultimate responsibility anybody could ever have. Men can't understand that. We, we chose the low maintenance model. <laughs> you got all the exotic plumbing and stuff, you know. So the, the, the experience of being a woman with a baby growing in your womb is something I can only imagine what that must be like the place that the universe has chosen to form and and open a doorway into this world is the most magical sacred responsibility that anyone could ever have it's so the women are divine 
blessings to you for that, you know? So, thank you. you. Blessings to all the healers and practitioners, men and women alike, who are co creating the possibility for us to have this kind of sacred journey of pregnancy and birth. And the support for nursing and the support for spending all that time, the unrushed time to sing lullabies to our children. And, you know, with that is a rarity now. That kind of sacred time is such a luxury that you have to fight to the nail to create for yourself in this society. Yeah. yeah. And think about that when, when that birth actually happens. It's the distillation of the ultimate sacred process. New life born into the universe, out of the universe. And it needs to be a celebration. There needs to be a very special group of people present to celebrate the first birthday. <laughs> the day of birth is like a great, so when this baby comes into the world, it should be this certain kind of experience that's wonderful and happy and nothing negative and, and beautiful, surrounded by love and people celebrating with music and and dance and movement and you arrive to a great celebration of congratulations welcome <laughs> so yeah that's so dr thompson i could talk with you for days and days it's um so melted my heart and um also just this resonance on a soul level with with the truth of everything that you're saying so thank you for using science and cutting edge instrument to prove to us what actually innately we all should know deep in our hearts and deep in our soul to be the truth of life you know we all know the truth some of us may have forgotten a little bit but as soon as you remind people it comes right back from the deepest part of you you go oh, i knew that uh, i know so that how can we follow more of your work because i i know that all the audience is just um can't wait to check out your oh, sounds and more interviews with you. Where can we go? Uh, there's a bunch of interviews on uh, YouTube. Just go to YouTube and do a search for my name. You'll see a bunch. Uh, there's one special one that's the most fun one I ever did. Um, so on YouTube, you would search for Quantum Citizens, comma, Dr. Jeffrey Thompson, and that will be a really fun interview. Uh, go to my website. Uh, that's uh, scientificsounds.com uh, sounds with an S scientificsounds.com and the best way to nav navigate is the little tabs across the top which you might not see right away because there's some flashy colored things that show up right away but up above is is really the way to navigate through uh, you can there's articles uh, that I've written about what I'm up to that you can read more in depth there's a sound store with a whole bunch of CDs and you can click a play button and listen to a sample of them. Uh, there's uh, workshops and seminars. I train people, the practitioners in what I do. Um, there's a lot there. It's one of the biggest websites on the internet. It's 120 pages. Um, there's a lot of information there. So we try to organize it the best we can to, we're always making improvements. So you'll see when you first land, you'll see the beyond soundtrack which is the default mode network thing that i told you about great so, okay yeah. i'll dig this you guys i'm going to dig this all up and clearly list every url below to make it easy for you to find of course yeah, and thank you so much for this show for the level of your questions and your spirit so mm.
that so being a good interview draws the best out of people, you know? <laughs> well, you know, there's a, I'm, I'm far from being alone in the magic, the unseen forces at work that attract always yeah. the perfect guests to this show. And one-on-one yeah. -on -one sessions, do you still offer that or you have years of wait list now? I'm still in clinical practice, but because the, uh, but, uh, but since the heel documentary went to Netflix, it's now a huge waiting list. However, people come and go and people cancel and they can't come. And so I have a waiting list of people that fit into that slot. So don't despair if you want uh, to come and see me as a patient. Great. Talk, uh, call the phone number on the website and talk to Betty Jane. She is the master schedule of all time. She will answer all your questions. So great. So, yeah, thanks. So to tie up this incredible conversation that traverse time, space, and dimension, body, <laughs> mind, emotions, and soul. Thank you so much for all the wisdom you shared with us today. If you were just to distill it down to one single piece of advice, the most important thing we should know on our journey of tapping into our highest level of human possibilities, what's the one thing we should focus on? Uh, now, I would say. Right now. This is the most important moment of your life because the only moment you'll ever have. The, the future, God knows, it's an anticipation in the past doesn't exist anymore except as a memory. You have the opportunity to wake up fully to everything you are right now. It can be, everything can be a sacred moment. I, washing a dish, putting your hand on a door handle to open it. It's, all of it is a sacred thing. So if I can bring myself back to now, then I don't have all the anticipations. I don't have all the, you know, if you're antsy because the traffic, you're in a traffic jam, it's because you're not now. If now is your destination, you're never late. <laughs> you're never anxious because you're not there yet. <laughs> right? There's food for the soul in the moment. Every minute Zen, meditation in action. Why should I wait until tonight at eight o'clock to sit on my pillow in my meditation room when I can do it now? And besides, if all the meditation room activity equals something, uh, what use is it if it's not in my life now? Yeah. If I don't bring it into my life, then what's the use? <laughs> right, so here, now, I can take this opportunity to wake up and be with you present right now and, and say, this is lovely. Uh, this is wonderful. I, I live in a wonderful place. I've got a roof over my head. I've got enough money for food. I've got a nice car. I've got a son who loves me. What am I complaining about? <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Thompson for that beautiful almost an hour and a half of eternal now that you shared with us <laughs> what a yeah my that pleasure was, thank you that conversation was full of surprise and so actually so informative educational and practical and soulful at the same time i have so much deep respect for the work that you do and so much gratitude to have crossed paths with you thank you so much thank you peace and love Hi friends, did you love that interview? If you did, please leave a review and share with all your friends so that many more people can benefit from these game-changing insights.
You can also go onto our website, DrEdithUbuntu.com, and subscribe to our newsletter, where you'll receive free trainings and next-level ninja tools that we only share on our newsletter. Together, let's turn your life into a brilliant masterpiece.